Welcome to the Relational Grace Podcast, featuring teachings from Pastor Nick Harris, who taught us that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Today is an exciting episode for us, it's the very first one, and we decided to make this a family affair. And today I have myself, Jamie Russell, my sister, Amy Moffitt, my brother, Deke Harris, and my mom, Chris Harris. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about Aerial Ministries, uh, which is the, the ministry that mom and dad started many years ago. And we're going to continue to evolve, Ariel. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about how we're going to keep Dad's teachings going. And so uh, then my sister's going to talk. Uh, sister and mom are really going to talk a lot about Dad, uh, both um, his upbringing, his career, um, the whole story. And we're we're going to have kind of a family discussion about that. And then brother's going to going to talk about some things, um, just some some themes that we've identified over the last several months that we feel tie the family together and are, are very special to us. So uh, I will say, uh, if if maybe you're listening and you're like, oh, I don't I don't necessarily need to know about all the family. I just want to jump into some teachings. Go ahead and and hop out of this one and go find the first episode on the lame prince. Um, that's a specific teaching that we've found on Mephibosheth that uh, actually became one of Dad's first relational grace messages. And as you can tell, we named the podcast Relational Grace Podcast because our mission is to continue dad's teaching of relational grace. Uh, that's the real goal. And so that's what we're going to that's what we're going to do, but today we're going to we're going to jump into some other things, uh, talking a little bit about the family, talking a little bit about um, uh, how we all got here and what what all dad was able to accomplish in his career. So a, a few things what to expect from Ariel Ministries uh, moving forward. Like I said, continuing to share the Relational Grace message. Uh, we'll also have uh, not just Relational Grace topics, but uh, all the many sermons and many messages that Dad put out over his career. So so um, that's really what you can expect from this uh, podcast. We have a t- uh, maybe 10 manuscripts of books that Dad wrote that were never published. Uh, we hope to really dive into those projects, not just in print, but audio uh, digital formats for download. We have some videos, some some really neat ones uh, that we found. We'll publish those over the years, and then we we also have like four Rubbermaid bins of just Dad's sermons over the years. He he would always be writing on legal pads when I was little. Every time you'd see him, he'd be writing on a yellow legal pad, and it's just like, oh my gosh, what could he possibly be doing? Well, he was writing an awful lot of sermons, and we have every one of them. And <laughs> so the idea would be to to take some of those and build a, a library for teachers and pastors to uh, come in and, and search our library of topics. So we're really excited about, uh, about what we could do, what we could do with that over time. And that's the thing is, is uh, people think, well, you know, uh, Pastor Harris isn't with us anymore. How are you going to keep, uh, how are you going to sustain having so much to talk about? Well, we're concerned that we won't even get to a 10th of it. We found boxes of cassette tapes. We have spools of DVDs and CDs. We've got hi video. We've got other kinds of video. I don't even know what format they are at this point. And it's just a ton of stuff. And then I, I hope that, that people send us things that um, maybe we haven't found yet. So um, right. we're just going to keep collecting and sharing the wonderful teachings that dad had. Some things that you might uh, do, you can definitely subscribe to the podcast for one. First, great first step. If you like what we're doing, give us five stars. That will help more people find us. Um, definitely sign up for emails from Aerial Ministries. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Those are some simple things that we can do to learn what we're doing, and we'll keep pushing more information to you. So enough of, of all that. Let's get to our family conversation. 
Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up to my sister here, and she's gonna kind of kind of lead us through a timeline where we're all gonna kind of talk about the many stories and and the things that this you know great group of family that I have here came together. So right. Sissy, take right. it away. Thank you. So uh, Dad, which you'll hear us say often, we're referring to Nick Harris, was born in Tulsa. Um, and it was two days before Christmas in 1940. It's always fun because we got to celebrate Dad's birthday a couple days before Christmas, so we spent a lot of time together in the holidays. Yep. Um, he was adopted by Raymond and Mary Harris, um, and Raymond was often referred to by Dad as the greatest preacher of all time. He was actually a traveling evangelist with the Assembly of God Church. And his adoption story is incredible because it actually started with a story of abandonment. So, Mom, you want to talk a little bit about that story? Sure. That was a, <clears throat> always a difficult thing for Nick to talk about. However, it did happen. It was true. And basically, um, he overcame that along, like, along with a lot of other things through his life. But... Um, Basically, the story is that we were told is that um, he was left in his in a house with his two younger sisters, and um, you know whether or not it was a uh, on purpose or what he uh, uh, his birth mom uh, did say that in in all fairness to her, she always claimed that. Uh, the intention was that the babysitter was supposed to be there. But in, it didn't matter because basically they both, um, Nick, along with his two sisters, his two baby sisters, were left in a home for three days and three nights. Uh, Nick was four years old, and Doreen, I believe, was around two and a half. And Jan was six months old and in a crib. Um he always talked about uh, hearing the babies cry and uh, about it being dark, and uh, he was afraid, and he didn't know how he could uh, help his baby sister survive, but he did, and um, he literally would talk about how he could remember getting in the refrigerator, and, well, I don't, obviously, he he may not have remembered it, but obviously he was able to do that because they told him later that he saved his baby sister by um, uh, feeding her a bottle through the crib. And, uh, uh, and, Jan and little Jereen, uh, they ate from the trash can. And just it was just horrific, and it was very, very, very sad. But Nick's mom used to tell me the story that little Jan, uh, literally her diaper had adhered to her little bottom. And, I mean, so you, you get the picture. It was very, very sad. But uh, the miracle in the whole thing is that the father, um, as in Raymond, his new adopted father, uh, he had come to visit across the street, and he heard, uh, he asked uh, his relative, how are the kids across the street? And she said, you know, it's been real odd. We haven't seen anybody coming and going, and I don't know where the children are. Well, in his spirit, he was literally directed to the house. And uh, Nick says he remembers he was scared because he could hear someone banging on the door. But eventually it was kicked in. They found all three of them, 
and they were alive and they were scared and they were hungry and they were filthy and all of those things. But that man later became his daddy. And uh, it's, it's an unbelievable story that, you know, that is so hard to even all of us to even comprehend. But I believe that shaped uh, some of those uh, feelings of fear and anxiety that we all have. And um, anyway, they adopted him. They, they adopted all three of them. And um, mom was never able, Nick's mama was never able to have children. So it was just a gift from God on all, all points. That's awesome. What a great story of a divine appointment. One of yes. many we'll talk about tonight. Right. right. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, about his schooling. So he graduated from Grand Saline High School. He went on to, to, to attend Southwest Assembly of God University, where he earned a Bachelor of Science. He went on to Midwestern State University, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts. And then he went to Tulsa University to get his law degree, and he entered the business world. Now, this was in a season in his life where he was actually running away from God. So, Mom, yes, he was. what found him in that position to be running away from God? Well, you know, and just just how you said a while ago, Sissy, um, you know, he was running from God, uh, and the reason was his his dad was considered to be his hero. I mean, he thought he was the, the greatest human being that ever lived, and he also felt like... Um, he was the greatest preacher and everything, and he, many souls came to the uh, saving grace of Jesus Christ through this man. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, Nick and his daddy were having some visit. They were visiting, and he Nick noticed different things about his dad for a couple of days that had weren't right, and he didn't, he couldn't quite put and figure it out. But he finally said, Dad, are you okay? You know, zip, you know, straighten up, fix your shirt. You know, why are you, why are you all messed up? Because he was a, just like Nicholas, he was a clothes guy. And he always, according to Nick, he always looked dressed to a T. And uh, his dad said, well, I, I just don't think I'm feeling right. And so sure enough, they took him to the hospital and he ended up that he had had a major stroke but as they checked him over, they discovered a brain tumor. And um, it was an aggressive brain tumor. And basically within, I think Nick said six weeks, it was, it was quick. Uh, his daddy was gone. Mm. Well, you can imagine, this was, a, this was a guy about 20. I don't, Deacon, do you know how old? Was he like 26? Or yeah, he was, he was, you know, 20, I was going to say 23, 26 in that age. And uh, uh, it, it shook Nick to the core. And it caused him, it caused his faith mm-hmm. to be definitely harmed and, and wounded. And uh, basically, he became a very angry human being. And um, he could not, he, he used to tell me, he said, I could not figure out how... There were human beings on the street, uh, drunks and people that, unkind and ungiving people, still alive, and yet God would take. And he, in his upbringing, he was, there were a lot of rules and there was a lot of law going on. And I mean, his daddy saw to it that he lived every rule that there mm-hmm. was. So therefore, it was hard for him to understand how uh these bums on the street could be left 
and and that God would take this unbelievable human being. And so Nick turned on the church for seven years. He literally walked away and said, I will never darken the door of a church. Mm-hmm. So that's the story of that. I mean, So how did he end up back in the church? Well, that's another. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you guys, this guy, his the story is almost hard to hard to believe. But and I used to always say um, uh, somebody needs to write a book, you know, on his life. What, what were you going to say, oh, Jamie? No, I was I was thinking uh, we were talking about dad's education. Um, fascinating. He had a photographic memory. Yes. And he could even kind of tell you at what points in his life it was completely photographic where he wouldn't forget anything and when it would start to drop off. And I think during this time he he had it completely. Yep. And, Absolutely. And, and it wasn't until many years later that he could tell that it was it was dropping off. So very, very brilliant man, just a mm-hmm. sponge of, of theology and history and, and everything. And so very cerebral. So as he is, is going through these questions in his life, um, I could only imagine mm-hmm. how much was really being processed. Right. <laughs> and and the truth is, you know, he tells like uh, he he would uh, he would he would love to debate Christians. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Paul. That's why we called him Paul Junior. Right. He loved to debate with Christians because he wanted to prove to them what idiots they were and that they were on the wrong path. And it, it's just it's just unbelievable. But. One day, um, he's sitting in his living room, and I guess this is in Tulsa, and Deacon, I think you were born by then, Mm -hmm. and um, he was sitting in his uh, living room waiting for the Dallas Cowboys to come on. He was a big fan of the Dallas Cowboys, and um, he ran, as he was turning the channel, he ran across a preacher, and this preacher pointed his, Nick used to say, pointed his bony finger in my face. And he said, therefore, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. And at that point, he was stunned by this guy. And he told, um, he told his wife, he said, you know what? He said, I, uh, I want to go down to this church. Because he said, this guy delivers a sermon like a law brief. Mm-hmm. And I find that very, very, very interesting. So... They did. They loaded up, went down to the church, sat at the back of First United Methodist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Sat, had to sit in the back, and if you all have ever been there, it's a huge, huge church. And he walked away that that Sunday and said, "Ah, eh, nothing to it. Just just like just like what I thought." And um, uh, so he walked away. Well, the following evening, uh, he hears a, a knock at the door, and it is this darling couple i wish i could remember their names um but anyway he was the uh uh, he would go out and call on people who had been attend who have a first time attendees at at the church and it was a he said it was a snow i mean a blizzard outside there was snow and ice and it was an absolute mess and they knocked at the door and he goes what is it he opened the door and they said well we just wanted to let you know we appreciate you coming to church and you know we'd love to have you nick said i didn't even invite them in and they are standing in a blizzard outside and he said but you know i was a different human being at that point and um anyway so he says uh, they leave and everything, and he he said I remember questioning myself and said, what kind of a human being would do that? That was so rude and so mean. 
And so anyway, a couple weeks later, um, he's at work. And like Amy addressed a while ago, he was an executive men's buyer for the Frug's department store downtown Tulsa. And um, he had a Jewish boss. And uh, I can't remember Izzy's last name, but his first name was Izzy. I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, Nick, he said, I got to take these 12 little Jewish synagogue boys down to a protestant church do you happen to know of one and he goes matter of fact i do i i need to go back there so um he called the pastor that week and he he told him what the mission was that he was bringing uh, his boss who had these 12 little synagogue boys and they were uh they needed to uh participate in a protestant church service and so the pastor said, sure, we're going to reserve you right down front, right on the front <laughs> row. And so here comes, so that following Sunday, here comes Izzy along with Nick and these 12 little synagogue boys, and they sit down on the front row. Well, the sermon starts, and, and uh, that's when God just decided to knock him in the head. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And, um, uh his mama used to say, I'm sicking that hound of heaven on you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that hound of heaven caught him that day. Yes. And I, I mean, he said, I started crying and I could not control myself. And he said, I cried and I cried and I cried out loud. And he said, at one point, Izzy elbowed me and he said, Nick, are you okay? Is everything okay, buddy? And Nick said back to him, he said, Izzy, for the first time, because Nick had prayed a prayer. That's, I need to say that. Nick prayed a, pr- pray a simple little prayer, and all it said is, God, I don't know if I believe in you or not, but I do know that if you're there, I want you to come into my heart and change who I am. And he said at that very moment, it was like lightning struck, and he's, that's when he started to weep. And he cried, and he... Just, and that's when Izzy elbowed him and said, Buddy, are you okay? And he goes, Izzy, for the first time in my life, I'm perfect. Mm-hmm. I am made whole. Yeah. And so that was the beginning. And then do you know that within three months, he packed up his little family and uh, he moved. And I think the bishop sent them to Carmen, Oklahoma, and gave him a little church. And he talked of that little church and he, he said, that little church, bless their hearts. Here I was. I knew what I knew, but I didn't know much. Right. But he said they loved him, and they took care of him, and uh, that was the beginning. So I love it. I love it. He heard grace for the very first time. For the very first time. And it became his story and his message forever. That's right. Um, at that point, because he was so cerebral, he began studying. He um, went to Phillips University and got his master's in divinity, and he was on the road to full-time ministry, ready or not. So he was working and going to school. He was in Carmen. He went to Lamont. And then the story of our family began in a little church called Albright United Methodist in Ponca City. So, Mom. Oh, dear. Tell us about that story. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing all the talking here, guys. You're you're, you're going to be mom. De- you're doing awesome. You're doing great. <laughs> you're going to be next. Um, oh my gosh, this is a story. Believe me. Well, um, yes, uh, 
we got word that, uh, you know, in the Methodist church uh, in May, uh, you receive your new pastor if he's, you know, he's coming and, and you find out you're going to be getting a new one. And uh, we knew that the new pastor was going to, was in town. And so I uh, loaded up and got ready to go to church. And when I got there, I walked in and um, this man is in the pulpit. <laughs> and I had never, I, I promise, it was just incredible. I had never heard anything like this in my whole entire life. And uh, it was the most exciting. And, you know, Nick just had a way of taking a simple parable, a simple story, a, a simple sentence in the Bible, and being able to expand on it and, and, and making it so simple for anyone to understand. Now, you have to remember, at this point in my life, I was, I mean, I was maybe saved and going to heaven, but the truth is, it was Nick Harris that sent a gentleman to my house, to our house. Um, uh, uh, his name was Foy Conrad, by the way, and uh, we totally uh, accepted Jesus into our heart. But before that, I was always a good girl, and I was always faithful, and I loved, I lo- I was good, and I, I don't know, I don't know how to say that, but <laughs> anyway, um, but anyway, so this man is up there, and I'm listening to him, and all of a sudden, I can't wait to get get a Bible. I can't wait for Sunday to come. I I look forward to church and everything, and. Um, so that's how it was my first encounter with Nick Harris. I mean, I just never in my life, I really thought it was God Almighty. <laughs> I mean, I, seriously, I thought he was it. Well, many years go by, or not many, but uh, years go by and life experiences happen. And um, there were a few, there were quite a few. <laughs> And I gave birth to Jamie Dawn and uh, this little guy sitting right here. And um, uh, uh, so at that time, I had Amy, my daughter. She was four, had you, sissy. And then I had Jamie Dawn. And uh, Nicholas had Deacon. And um, uh, we became a family. I mean, there was two divorces involved. Let's Mm -hmm. just call it what it is. Right. There were two divorces involved, and uh, there were some hard times, but eventually God had his way. Mm-hmm. I truly believe God had his way, and uh, we formed an awesome little family, and four days later, seriously, you guys, I'm not kidding, we uh, got married knowing that Nick was to be moved to Fairview, America. I always called it Fairview, America, Fair, Fairview Oklahoma. And we got married on a Friday, and we walked in to a church, moved in in Fairview uh, on a Thursday. Now, this little town was so excited, just like I had been excited about uh, when we got a new pastor. They were so excited to have this new family with three children. So no one had a clue that we had been married four days and that our three children had three different last names. Right. Now, seriously, that was a story for sure. So once again, there were issues. There were things talked over and talked about. But 
God's grace was incredible. And Fairview America became one of our absolute favorite places that we ever lived. And um, um, at that point, just like you'll hear in, in Nick, all of Nick's teachings about the blood covenant, just like that, um, my two children mm-hmm. became Nick's two children. Mm-hmm. Deacon, Nick's child, became my child. And we never looked back. There is no such thing as a stepchild in our family. We never used the word. We do not believe in it. Right. And um, yes, there were other parents, and yes, there were other children, but our family has stayed together and have, uh, we are truly a blended family. And so that just gave us another thing to be in ministry about. Right. Because we were, many people have looked and said, I only was able to do this because I saw that you all did it. Yeah. And if we don't talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. so this podcast is always going to tell the truth. Yeah. And we, Nick and I recognize that divorce is a sin. I mean, we knew that from the very beginning, but you know what we did? We asked each other to forgive us. We asked our churches to forgive us. And if they could forgive us, then we were going to get on with building the kingdom of God. And every single church did just that. That's right. Yeah, you guys did an amazing job with a very difficult task of a blended family. And I'm I'm blessed because of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We, you know, if you look at us today with with everything that's, you know, over the last six months, uh, or I guess five months, whatever it is, you know, that... uh, who who do we who do we run to? Yeah, each you other, know? and that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. that's family. Well, we did. We had an amazing season in Fairview. However, it didn't last very long. <laughs> it didn't last as long as any of us wanted. I don't think. Um, but God called us away. He had a plan. He had a plan, and he brought us to First United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City, where you and Dad served the longest season of ministry together 24 years 24 years um he was given a very difficult challenge with first church um so tell us a little bit about what it was like coming into um downtown oklahoma city oh my goodness you know if you if you talk about the personal side you know coming from ponca city and then going to fairview you know put your kids out on the front porch or you let them ride the bicycles to school and you know you or they walk to school and I never I had no idea that when I got to Oklahoma City that I would have to face sending Amy Beth was going to have to go like clear over northeast class and somewhere and she's gonna have to be on a bus and and Deacon he wanted to play football because he was the best Mm -hmm. football player ever and uh, he was going to have to go to, um, what was the name? Yeah, it's a pretty rough school. Yeah, it was yeah. a pretty rough, rough school. school. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's just say that. It was not, it was not good. Well, anyway, so, uh, yeah, Coach Nicholas had gone to the coach and had a few little words. And uh, it turns out we decided that Mom would get a job and uh, Dad would work harder and we would send uh, Deke to um, – uh, Bishop McGinnis, where he would be able to play 
football. And so then we decided, well, if we do it for one, we're going to do for all three of them. And we did. And we worked and we did whatever we could to see to it the kids had uh, a great education. But anyway, that was the that was on the personal side. But as far as the church goes, yeah, that was that was difficult. <laughs> that was hard because first of all, uh, the church at Fairview and the church in Ponca City would literally sit down inside of. First church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being overwhelmed with this, just the size of the building. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I knew that Nick could do it. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. But I, it was, we were hoping we'd have a little help doing it. And at the very beginning, you know, he'd always used to tell the story. He looked out, and I'm sure you'll probably hear it on mm-hmm. some of these. Uh, some of these messages that we're going to be sending out because he loved to tell stories about those days. But um, anyway, uh, he looked out and, you know, the average age was around 70 and there was probably about 120 people in that huge sanctuary balconies and all. And um, there were three children. (laughs) And guess, guess whose they were, they were ours. And so, um, uh, yeah, he always told the story. You called for the children's sermon and the children to come forward, and they were all three his. So, um, but anyway, so we've you know, and and so it's difficult when uh, an older church, um, you know, there's all the oh the ins and outs. You all know the ins and outs and committees and all those kind of things, and you get kind of set in your ways about the way things were, and so you have this young little pastor. And of course, he wasn't young. He was. 30 years old, I think, when we first came to First Church. And um, uh, I think that's right around yeah, that. And I think it's worth saying that this was in 80 81. One. 81. Mm-hmm. And so downtown yeah. was not where you were at. Or you, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't be downtown no. uh, past oh. 6 o'clock. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, just very empty, just, ran down, everything. I mean, the renaissance that's happened in Oklahoma City, of course, this oh, whole time man. has been amazing, but back then, boy, it was, it it was, was a not scary safe. Place. And, yeah. and and trying to minister and bring people from the suburbs back downtown uh, was very a, a very big challenge. Right, right. And so uh, he just knew that he had to work real, real hard, and he knew that he had to give people, he used to say, I have to give people a reason mm-hmm. to pass by all of these beautiful, outgoing uh urban churches why would they choose to come downtown when there are all of these issues well it was the word of god right i mean that was it and he was a preaching machine i mean i'm telling you but um he literally y'all he he stood in the pulpit that very first sunday looking down at those little old people and whom I love dearly, I do, I did. They're all gone now. But anyway, <laughs> they were precious. And uh, I looked down, he looked down at them, and, and he looked up at those empty balconies. And here I am sitting with the three kids, and he, he literally says, I see the, ba-, and, and it is recorded, and we, it was even put in a newspaper clipping that I have today. And it, he said, I see the balconies filled, and I hear the pitter-patter of children's feet. And I'm, I'm telling you, 
I said to him later, have you lost your mind? (laughs) However, do you know that in seven years that absolutely happened? Here we go again with the seven years. Right. You know, he, uh, it absolutely took place. And um, he never took credit for those words, though. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was God. That was God speaking through Well, I mean, I even... Yeah, just me too. Talking, I, I mean, got goosebumps I've got too. goosebumps, and I I remember that service. Yes. I mean, I that that I'm like, what? Yeah. How right. Can he say and, that. You know, but but you, you you heard him say it, and you believed it, didn't and you you knew he was hearing from God. Right. Yes. Right. You know, the, the, this was not some marketing scheme. This no. was I am speaking. I've just heard from God. Right. And it happened. It, it did, did happen. It did happen. I think the most powerful tool he used to make that happen was the loaves and fishes Bible mm-hmm. study mm-hmm. Um, because he had all of the business people down there on the weekdays and he opened up the church and fed them a lunch and taught Tuesdays and that and was Thursdays, Tuesdays right? and Thursdays yep. just yep. it started on, on Thursday Thursdays. only until after the bombing and then and we then went to Tuesday exploded and we had to have more services but right. I what I remember about loaves and fishes was Going downtown, we'd stop at camps. Oh, yeah, camps. <laughs> and we'd pick up the um, pimento cheese, cheese and the ham, ham salad. salad. And we would go and we would, li- we, I mean, I'm talking yep. about us. The people at this table would go down and make the sandwiches yes, and the bag would. of chips and serve them. Yep. And, and dad right. would do his thing. Mm-hmm. And more and more people heard that fire and grace and, and came. He did. And I, you know, I, I want to point out that, you know, in those years that, at, at first church, you know, mom and dad, you know, as you know, we would say in the military, were, were the point men, the point woman, if you will. But you know, the three of us also, you know, I mean, how how many nights were we down at that church? You yes. know, and how many, you know, so on and so forth, and you know, and how that impacted our lives. And if you look today mm-hmm. at uh, you know, the three of us and, you know, in, in some way or some form are in the ministry and, and are things that, you know, in a lot of ways we could have never darkened sure. the doors. Right. But here we are and we understand and what, what the church really is about. And that's, you know, you know, mom, I, I think that's a credit to both, you know, you and dad, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, well, we tried to allow, uh, you guys the space to, um, well, well, let's just call it what it is, a lot of grace. You know, mm-hmm. I think so many times uh, well-meaning ministers and uh, mamas, uh, you know, they work real hard to instill uh, Christianity in their kids to the point that the kids walk away. Mm-hmm. And so I I had seen it, and uh, I knew that that was real, especially with PK kids. And um, I... I I didn't want that to happen. And so if you give, you know, if you give the kids space to, to figure it out on their own, but there was never a question, you know, uh, and, and Nick was the same way. And you guys would ask him questions. He always had answers for you. There was never any pressure. Um, you were expected to do certain things, but there was grace in other areas. And, uh, I think that, I think that's so important for uh, parents to, mm-hmm. to think about. Well, and I think there was an authenticity about both of you. You were who you were at home, at church, at the ball 
park, you know, anywhere we were, you were the same person and you weren't putting on a show. He wasn't putting on a show. You were who you were. And that I think that's as right. the child, that was just who you were. Uh-huh. So. Well, and, and I think too, you know, I think there's something to be said for hard work. Yeah. You know, dad worked hard and Nobody he really taught hard. us to work hard. Yeah. It, if you think about it, dad was teaching loaves and fishes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He had a staff Bible study on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, mm-hmm. Wednesday night Teaching. teachings to the church that evening mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday night. He had a Sunday sermon and a Sunday Bible study that he ran mm-hmm. a Bible class. Mm-hmm. Am I missing one? Well, well, in the early days, we also had Sunday, ser- Sunday yes. night services. And Sunday night services, yeah. mm-hmm. not to mention uh, later when he started the radio broadcast. Right, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so he'd record those on Whenever, whenever they could. Whenever mm-hmm. could. Uh, mm-hmm. And so just the, the amount of, of, of content the man generated, of course, content creation nowadays is a, it's just a thing. Right. But dad would just, I mean, he, I don't know how he did it. But you know, I, I want to, I, brother, I, I want to, I don't know what to write, uh, can affirm the, that, that work ethic. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, if you look today at, you know, the, the three of us, and you know we're, uh, I mean we're we're hardworking people, you know. And and mom, you know, I mean here she is, you know, in 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 her years, and mom gets up, mm-hmm. and mom's got to move. I mean, I mean, you know, she just it's just it's in our it's in our DNA, if yep. you yes, will. It is. And you know we we. And I just think that's a great, you know, a great lesson, you know, to, to pass on. And, yeah. you know, uh, you know, that that comes from dad and mom. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry to. And, and, and to mention all the committees, you know, cause that was <laughs> oh, one of the things, oh, you know, gosh. dad, you know, at the, in the Methodist church, there's so many committees. And so dad had to be at every one of them. And so he, he wasn't at home, uh, he very often, yeah. uh, in the evenings. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I will say that kids should not be as good at pool as we were because there was a pool table, pool table on the third floor and um, I was an exceptional ping pong player. Ping pong player. Too, yeah. Yeah. Well, here so. I am five foot six and yeah. I spent how many hours in that half gym? Oh yeah. Yes. There was a gym that was only half court and brother was really good. You were a good basketball good. player. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. So we definitely spent a lot of time yeah. down there, but I wouldn't trade it in nope. the world. No, it was a great no. season. It's, it's right. yeah. So we all know and have all been with dad on a trip to Israel or multiple trips. Mm-hmm. Dad had a passion for the land of Israel and pretty much any historical site mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. But let's let's hear some stories about Israel. What, what do you guys remember about your trips? Well, uh, the man was a, uh, I think there's still posters of dad in Israel <laughs> as the, the top American tipper yes, ever. Absolutely. He would give away all the money. And yeah. so they would take you to all the best places and treat you, but... Um, but yeah, he no he he would just land and be a, just be a man on on fire, and I I just didn't know how people would keep up because he'd just walk so fast and and he'd get pretty intense too. I mean, Dad was we haven't talked about the intensity, right? He That's was so intense, word. and he'd get mad at you if you weren't running fast enough after him, and, <laughs> and he'd have all these you know 20, 20 people all behind him. But um, but it was all about how much he could share with everybody each day. If you could right. just fit one more stop in, if you could just fit one more stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't talk the whole time about this, but, but the, um, uh, the whole, you know, not someplace, but 
this exact place. place. Right. Yes. He would take you to the exact place the Bible referenced. And yes, so I right. always think about that um, when I think of the Israel trips. Right. You know, I, I, and I want to point out because those trips, you know, there's a lot of pastors that take people to, right. to Israel. Sure. Yeah. Lots but, of them. But when, when you have a man who can tie the historical mm-hmm. record mm-hmm. with the biblical record mm-hmm. and paint that picture, Perfect. It, people walked away from those trips going, my life has changed. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't just go see, you know, Calvary or, yes. you know, the Bethlehem. Right. Wait a minute. The, these people's lives were changed. Mine was changed. Sure. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you never read the Bible the same. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can, I used to, me and my mercy, you know, and. <laughs> And he just, he became an animal when he landed. I mean, those wheels would get down on in, at the airport. And he just became a different human being. And he was bound and determined that every little person that was with him was going to walk away changed. Mm-hmm. And he, um, uh, he... He never stopped. I mean, it didn't matter. Uh, and he, Jamie, isn't it true? He and Deke, you guys have traveled with him. I mean, he literally would sometimes. It would be so important that everybody saw everything to the point that when he got into the room, finally in the hotel, he would literally fall asleep with his clothes on. Oh yeah, boots yep. and all. Yep. Boots, boots and all. I well, mean, the last trip to Israel, we literally had men carrying him. Yes. So he could teach, like from place to place. He couldn't walk. Yep. Yeah, he, but he kept going. He would not stop. He, he was bound and determined. And what was fun about him in the later years is that he always he wanted to make sure everybody saw everything he had ever he had. And what after thirty trips, he's yeah. seen about everything. But he always well, he was, wanted. He was educating the tour guides. Right, that were that's true. They didn't know that all the so stuff true. he knew. It yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, to watch and him. they would sit and go. Whoa, I didn't know that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, Nick insisted on always he, he you know, and when you go, when you travel to Israel, you have to have a guy, it's you have to have a guide. I mean, it's a you can't get in without it. And, uh, and then uh, you and so but he would always pay them like Jamie said, he'd always pay them under the table because he wanted to make sure they kept their mouth shut because Nick wanted to do all the teaching and uh, he he wanted to, to teach and he would study you guys. Uh, well, he studied all the time, but before we, he went on trips, he would gear up mm-hmm. and I mean, he would have notes in these little books and I have found them in his study. He's just got hundreds of these little little books that he carry with his bible and be able to walk uh and uh walk the land and be he just he just it was so important and then later after about my fifth or sixth trip i didn't really care if i saw anything else i'd seen it all as far as i was concerned however (laughs) i loved watching everybody else see it for the first time i mean their little faces would just light up and I mean, just blinders, you know, be taken off their eyes and they would see it. And then when we get home, they'd all, you know, open their Bibles and be able to picture the places that where we were and uh, the Sea of Galilee or if it was in Capernaum or, you know, just uh, the hill where loaves and fishes took place and all of those beautiful places. And uh, he just had a way of making it all come alive. He did. He did. I think my favorite memory was the last trip that I went with him, uh, which was his last trip to Israel, and uh, seeing him see Magdala 
because it had just oh, yes. been discovered. It had just been unearthed. Yes. And it was getting to see him see something for the very first, very first time. time. And he was just so excited right. to see it all. And it, it was a very neat place. And, of course, he'd get home and he'd start planning Study. the next right. time. Right. Um, okay, six months, i got to get back. You yep. know, i got to. Yeah, that, that was fun because Dad and I took uh, a lot of trips in the last several years. And um, he took me to see places he had already seen. And so he was wanting to show them to me and tell me all about it. And it was great. But we went to Paris, and he had never seen it. And so that was kind of a really great experience mm-hmm. for me because he, he was seeing Notre Dame, like, yeah. inside it for the first time. And just all these different things, the, the Palace of Versailles, which is a funny story. But <laughs> but just, I mean, some of the amazing stuff. Um, but he just soaked it in. And, you know, I, I have to say I didn't really um, – always had a little bit of a struggle relating to Dad um, – but uh, we were able to really relate with travel and history and, and even just the photos we would take. We would talk about the photos that we took. And, uh, and so it was, it was really great. You know, he, yes. he, he definitely, um, he just loved it. Mm-hmm. And he loved taking people. He loved to sh- you just show people mm-hmm. everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What was the trip you guys went, just you guys and dad? Uh, London. London. London took and Christian. Christian. And Christian. Yeah, your yeah. son. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was oh Lots my gosh! Of, oh, those pictures are yeah. adorable of all of you and well, and and to to stack on all of his other responsibilities, one thing I was going to joke about was Dad would also have to go do the hospital calls. Oh no! So when the babies were born, he'd go see the babies, mm-hmm. and I would always ask him, you know, who the baby looked like, and he would say Winston Churchill. <laughs> so anyhow, we we in London we had a lot of Winston Churchill history. But he yes, loved Winston yeah. Churchill. Oh, he so, yeah. loved it. Yeah, he and loved he it. and he passed. You know, that's something I've I've. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, taking on because I, you know, I think I'm, I just finished uh, my sixth biography on, you know, Winston mm-hmm. Churchill. And, yep. and, you know, and I think when I read there and I think about all the stuff in London and, you know, up when we went to the cathedral for the, mm-hmm. to, to, to see the Magna Carta and w- the trip to Dover. Right. right where we, <laughs> yeah. where are yeah. we? But, yeah. you know, and, and, but, but, you know, I think, but I think out of all of that, understanding, that if I could say this as unbiased as I possibly could, he's the smartest human being I have ever met. Hands and down. Th- that, his, and his ability to teach it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who have the knowledge in right. there. Right. But to turn it in and then to process it and to get it out and to teach it, if you're in London mm-hmm. or if you're at Golgotha, Right. Yeah. I mean, it just it, it it it's part of what made his ministry and who he is so profound. Yes. Right. You know, and and you know, so, but I think that's important to point out about mm-hmm. about Dad. You know, I've I've I was talking to Sissy about this, but um, Dad, a lot of people don't know, Dad was extremely artistic. Mm-hmm. He could draw. I mean, the things he would sketch, and I was supposedly the artistic one, but he was he was mm. great. Um. And I often thought, you know, gosh, he could have been a great artist or whatever. But I think he was. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think he did it with with words, words. Yeah. and with teaching. That's good, JD. And with yeah. um, everything he did for us with with travel and just the different ways he taught. Mm-hmm. So and the way mm-hmm. he told stories. Oh. Um, even even mom referenced um, how he um, liked this sermon he 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 had seen or heard because it was like a, uh, a, 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 a law brief. A law brief was yes. being delivered. Uh-huh. And. And, and as we've read his sermons in the boxes of sermons mm-hmm. that we have, literally they're preachable in the way he, yeah. he wrote right. them. They are. Um, and it's pretty, pretty amazing. It is. Yeah. Well, dad had a passion for Kenya. 
he felt like he was called to minister to the people of Kenya. So he um, partnered with Cal McCarter and each one feed one and built a medical clinic, a tabernacle, and eventually a school. And uh, I was able to go with him to Africa Mm -hmm. and see it in person. And what a gift that trip was to see him see things that he had built and sent people to build. And um, he really loved the people of Tharaka. That was super important to his ministry and supported them to the end. Oh, he's still, yes, we still Still are, are. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that... uh, Oh, my goodness. I, I remember uh, when Cal came into the – Nick. you know, Nick was one of these that didn't uh, – well, the secretary said, there's somebody here that wants to see you. He always tells that story about Cal. And there, here came this little guy, and he just – he had an idea, and he wanted to go to India or Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, he the more he talked, the more Dad connected with Cal and – he said, well, I don't want to go to, in- I won't support you to go to India, but I will support you to go to Africa. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Now, Cal Cal did continue mm-hmm. with India, but uh-huh. First Church just didn't support that, support track. that yeah. track. We supported the other one. And, um, oh, my goodness, we, we did so many fun things uh, supporting that ministry. And we eventually sent 11 guys. I believe it was 11. It may have been 12. Uh, we sent, we worked real hard to raise the money. We sold pizzas. Oh got, yeah. We sold pizzas. Yeah. We had garage sales. We did all kinds of things in order to raise the money to send these 11 guys to Africa to build a house. Mm-hmm. They were going to build one house and I have pictures of that house. Mm-hmm. And, um, because little Cal and Linda, that's his little wife, precious Linda's still with us, but Cal has gone on. And uh, their children literally pitched a tent in the middle of a place called Tharaka. And that's where they lived. And Nick just wouldn't hear of it. And he said, we're going to, and I hope I'm getting these stories right, but I know that eventually we sent those men to build them a house. Mm -hmm. And um, to this day, that house is still there. However, there is now a full clinic there is a full tabernacle. There are, I believe it's four, yeah. four or five different um, educational buildings where these children are now, are still there. Uh, we had, we literally fed them at the very beginning out of a train car, you know, one of those box, mm-hmm. box train cars. And the little children would come and we would uh, feed them that we would buy the maize and the soy and beans and all that kind of stuff and how to cook. And they would cook and these kids would come and we would feed them. And then we started clothing them. And then we, but it all started with the clinic. That's where we started. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, oh, my goodness, now it's it's just become something. Uh, I, it's hard for me to even go, even, it's hard for me to even imagine now what's happening. I got to go to Africa. Yep. You know, it was my dream to get to go. And uh, uh, we were at the chapel at the time, and uh, Jim Goodenow and Terry Bell and I were able to go. And uh, we paint, Terry and I painted, and, oh, gosh, it, it was amazing. But to see those little kids... And uh, that was one of the things I was afraid, um, you know, when we left First Church, uh, what might happen with the babies. 
uh, because I, 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 I called them the babies because I, I knew they counted on us to, for medical attention and, and to be uh, fed. And, um, I mean, they literally would come out of, we called them the sticks. Yeah. I mean, they, you, you wouldn't know anybody's there, and then all of a sudden it's just children are coming because they knew they, had, they would have dinner and breakfast. And, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so um, the, we, the, so I, where was I headed? Well, you that? were going on, on when, when you guys left First Church. Yes, well, when we left yeah. First Church. I'm sorry. Um, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen with that, but as we built Ariel Chapel, uh, we chose to take on that ministry, and um, once we took that on as our mission, Ariel Chapel began to take off even more so, and we've supported that group ever since. But what's awesome now is Nick's goal had always been, if we can just help them finally reach a point where they can take care of themselves, yes. you know, teach them to raise their own food. Teach them, raise up doctors to take right. care of yourself, raise up teachers to teach your children, you know, and oh my goodness, after all of these years, it's happening now. Yes. Uh, Each One Feed One is an unbelievable ministry. We're going to continue to support it through aerial ministries and um, uh, it is, but hopefully we'll be able to talk more about Tharaka mm-hmm. itself. It's right outside of Nairobi and... Uh, Many, right many outside good things. eight hours drive. Yeah, yes. <laughs> a couple bumps here and there, a couple little ditches. But um, anyway, yeah, it's that was a unbelievable ministry yeah. and yeah, and true passion of his. Yes, absolutely. Now, you can't talk about Nick Harris, our dad, without talking about the greatest tragedy in Oklahoma City, the bombing, nineteen ninety five. There was a bombing in downtown Oklahoma City, and that bombing was at the Alfred P. Murrah Building, which was diagonally across from First Church, the church we had been at for many years. So let's talk about what that looked like, what that meant, how that shaped what was next. You know, I know, um, uh, you know, Kind of briefly, I know that Dad would always say he was supposed to be recording his radio broadcast. Right. And they recorded in the sanctuary. And uh, had he been in there, more than likely he'd have been crushed by some uh, huge wood-framed stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. Um, either glass that blew in or just from what fell. Because, I mean, the, the fuse were all crushed. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, he was, he was actually downstairs um, and talking with one of the employees and just I, he told me that it's like he was in the basement, mm-hmm. but it was like the, the floor rose up four mm-hmm. feet and slammed back down, mm-hmm. and the ceiling tiles fell on him and everything. And so, um, and I don't need to tell the whole story, yeah. but I do know that he made it out of the building uh, quickly because he w- it, the office he was in was real close to an exit door. Right. So he made it around and couldn't didn't know what in the world to even look. Well, they he kind of see and hear the fire and, and everything and ran around the the front of the building and. Um, he told a story about kind of an officer, but mm-hmm. he was just coated in white chalk from mm-hmm. the concrete and his ears were bleeding. And he immediately turned around and just started climbing back in mm-hmm. because he said his people were in there. Right. And, um, and of course dad's just kind of in shock about what's happening. But, uh, but I think dad could hear the cries from the YMCA yes. nursery where I think, you know, we had 
maybe people that were there. I don't, I don't, yeah, can't remember, mm-hmm. but there were children there. And so dad would help with, with the, the children. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, I do think that when the second scare that there could have possibly been a second bombing, dad, dad actually got his car out, which the car was like imploded. The right. hood, the, right. the roof was yes. bowed out weird. It was mm-hmm. really crazy. But, um, mm-hmm. but anyhow, so, and, and I, you know, we all have our own stories about mm-hmm. it. I was yeah. a senior in high school and, I uh, didn't really even feel the ground shake because I was switching classes, but a, a kid in class said something's something has happened. Yeah, that's what yeah. I remember. And, you know, brother, I know you were overseas. I was in uh, the Great Wall Sheridan in Beijing, China. I was supposed to come back the next day, mm-hmm. and of course, in those days, that's that was before China had really totally blown the way it, grown the way it is. Right. But I'm, you know, one of the three channels was CNN International. You know, and so I'm I'm in the bed, clicking through, you know, the three channels, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I see, you know, the news flash, and you know, of course, this is before cell phones, mm-hmm. all of that, and I couldn't get through, and you know, I was on a plane the next, I was supposed to be on a plane the next morning to come back. I'd been out of the country twelve days or something like that, and it was not until I hit the L.A. airport where they had a wall of payphones that I could get to a payphone. So this is 24 hours later, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that I got a hold of mom at the house to know if, you know, you were okay, if dad was okay, you know, all of that. And I so when I landed in, a, in Oklahoma City, I drove uh, directly downtown. Right. And so, th- I mean, that's, that's my story. And, 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 you know, I, I would say this, that it, it took me 20 plus years to finally go down to the memorial mm-hmm. and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then when I did and I saw the survivor's wall yeah, yeah, and, you know, saw my dad's name on it, mm-hmm. you know, our, our dad's name on it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, wet noodle at that point right but and and sorry to get into all that detail but you know i mean that that bombing the leadership Mm -hmm. that that he didn't it shook him and 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 you know amy you often say this that you know he didn't really like to talk about it Mm -mm. okay and it shook him i mean they used the north lobby yes you know for the morgue right right but he never skipped a beat. No, he did not. He, didn't. he stepped in and went, yeah. boom. Yeah. And he kept his flock. He, he you know. So. Yeah, I, I truly believe with all my heart that <clears throat> all of those years at Albright and the years at um, Fairview and the years and probably Carmen and Lamont, Bubba, but uh, those were all preparatory. And the idea that we left Fairview and we didn't really want to, to come to a downtown dying downtown church. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry. I, I think all of that was God's, that was divine intervention as far as that little church, that little group of people would not have survived those 20 years prior to the bombing. Uh, And dad's leadership Nick's leadership in building that church up to a point, three services. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Three services on Sunday 
a radio broadcast that was to the to the world. I yep, mean, there were a lot worldwide. of people, yep. uh, <clears throat> and uh, many people saved in Oklahoma City. Probably people who were in the Murrah Building, sure. and um, uh, so that when that bomb did go off, because you know, we have we serve a God that knows everything. You bet. And uh, I truly believe that uh, he knew that something evil was going to happen, and he needed a man that he could teach and was willing to be obedient and would be able to lead his sheep. And um, I think that's the only reason that First Methodist survived it. And believe me, we did survive that bombing. Yes, we did. Matter of fact, we, we grew during those six years six years to seven years of being out of the building. But, you know, whenever I think of the bombing, it, those years were, uh, that, that, was, that was tough time. But uh, like Deke said, uh, Nick's leadership was phenomenal, and he didn't skip a beat. Mm-mm. I mean, he, he was devastated. I didn't see a whole lot of him during those couple of weeks. Well, until we ended up going to Israel. If you remember, there was an Israel trip scheduled. But... Um, I, when I think about the bombing, I think about the different miracles. Oh, yeah. Because, and we could talk about that for hours. I mean, um, the idea that uh, Gus Alfonso, the sound, sound guy, totally forgot Nick. I mean, he'd been doing that radio broadcast for years. Mm-hmm. And they always met at 9, nine o'clock. Nick stood on the platform. Gusser was up in the window. And Craig was in the office. Mm-hmm. He was in the. Uh, he would have yep. been in that office on the corner, right. which was annihilated. I yep. mean, that was blown away. And um, Lance, mm-hmm. he was. He would have been in his office. And uh, so, anyway, the idea that there were seven people in that building, and not one of them. Now, our little janitor, you know, he got a cut on his leg, right. but uh, he was okay. But the idea that all of those people survived that. Uh, because literally, as Dad said, that whole floor—I mean, the entire the entire church building—raised up and went back down. Well, Chris Skinner, you know, was with Dad, and thank God that she said, "Hey, Pastor, I've got some ideas. Let's uh-huh. go downstairs." I mean, it was all just—it it, was—it was just absolutely providential. Uh, providential, yes. You have—I think people have to understand that the building, mm. that the sanctuary. That what is now what Harris Hall, Harris Hall, yes. Okay, that that was the the building itself was condemned. Yeah, afterwards, yeah. Okay, and that if peop, if if folks who were working in the church would have been where they were supposed to have been, mm. Craig, Lance, Dad, you know, I mean, you just yeah. you go down the list, they wouldn't be there, and so. I mean, I do think that it was that it, that it was divine out of an evil thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Out of an absolute evil thing, and let, let, let's let's talk about Craig here for mm-hmm. a moment. Yes. Okay. Oh my goodness. And to go, if Craig would have been sitting in his pastor, and think about the anointing and the call upon his life, and what God right? and what God's and, done with him through with these him, years, right? And to go, okay. Well, let's let's clarify. So we're, we're we haven't gotten to that, but let's we'll. we'll yeah. Go ahead and segue in. You know, uh, Craig Groeschel, you know, pastor at Life Church, was still working at First Church mm-hmm. um, at the time. Literally, the office we were talking about is on that 
northwest corner mm-hmm. facing the Murrah building. Right. Yep. It had stained glass windows Absolutely. all the way around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it would have been. He, w- he, he wouldn't be with us. He wouldn't be with us. Uh-huh. He was at seminary and, that day. Yeah. 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 Life Church wouldn't exist. The Bible app. Mm, you version. You version wouldn't exist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As we and know how today, many, God how made many, it. But, yeah. but, but, but I mean, how many, how many, how many churches, how many oh. life churches are there? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about a, a large group of mm-hmm. uh, people yeah. that were, would have been, would not have happened, you right. know. Mm-hmm. And so. brother, where you're going, where, you know, part of that is where the number of people that came out of his ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, a that's a, another great thing that we, we really have to mention. Um, and I think, uh, um, uh, my sister shared uh, a video that I'm, I'm sure we'll keep, we'll continue to share, um, where dad uh, talked a little bit about the, the 48 oh. pastors that came from, from his ministry. Directly um, from him. Directly. And they had pastors come out of their yes. ministry. So it, the, the family tree goes really yeah, wide. <laughs> it does. It does. But I think that was, that was a gift he had. He could, yep. he could see the, the talent in people. Yeah. He could spot that talent and leadership and, and called it out. And calling. He called yeah. it out in people yep. too. He saw it maybe sometimes before, before they, they did. before yeah. they did. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So you know, and and it, and it continued to the last time he was in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we 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 have Kyler. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, and and there are others there that I mean, that was just that was a gift that he had when he could look at somebody and go, "Yep, he's called in the ministry." Yeah. He would recognize it, and he would usually find some sweet, fun little way of saying, well, you know, are you going to finally give it up? Or, or you know, he, he would say, have you, do you feel a certain feeling, or are you, um, he would always say, when they start hanging around the church a lot, <laughs> <laughs> right. when they just want to, you know, they just want to sweep yeah. the floor or, or, you know, wash the windows or do something, then he would say, yeah, something's up with these guys. And, of course, he knew because they just had a thirst and a hunger for the Word of God. And right. Nick was just able to recognize that because that was something they had in common, you know. And, and he always encouraged them to go. He didn't yes. hold them to himself and say, you got to right. be with me forever. He encouraged them to go and do what God called them to do right. and Equipping encouraged the them and was always there beside them every step of the way, cheering them on. That's yep. right. He unique, did. Unique gifting. Okay. So let's go back to the bombing. We've okay. had the bombing. We've rebuilt. Talk about one, one of my greatest memories was we had, we had been in a different church in Trinity Baptist for years, remote location while we rebuilt our building. And, and like you said, the, the bombing story is amazing, and there's a million stories to tell, and we're going to let him tell it in a future podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll um, be good. So watch for that episode. It's going to be great. But um, we were able to go home from Trinity Baptist, and we did a march. What do you remember about that day? Oh, gosh. I was just looking at a video that I found um, a week ago or so, and I mean, I called Jamie Don, and I was just hysterical i was just crying it was I thought, just i thought someone had had an accident <laughs> I, I really thought oh gosh we could this together tragedy. no i uh i saw something and i thought well i'm gonna put that in my computer and play that and here we are and uh great music you know well 
I don't know if you all know, but Trinity Baptist took us in. And uh, they took us in and gave us a home That's right. for basically uh, three years. We, we would ask for possibly six months, and that turned into at least three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the day came when it was time to go home, and the, the first building was complete. And, um, oh, my gosh, it was gorgeous. It was just so beautiful. But um, it was ready for us to all come home. So we uh, had a whole weekend planned, and um, we started the walk home. And literally, I'm not kidding, we met at the at the church at 2 in the afternoon. And uh, Amy Beth was, I believe, Amy, you were pregnant with my Joseph. I was, and you big had, time. Yeah, and you had a little Christian in a little red wagon, and... Um, we all walked home, and we it was, what, is that two and a half miles yeah, or two so? two and a half miles. Two and a half miles, our entire church body. Now, some of them, you know, like my mom and, and different ones, went ahead and waited on us on the church steps. Oh, my gosh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. But anyway, we walked that walk, and uh, you kind of zigzag. We had uh, motorcycle police officers that led the way, and they blocked off streets, and, um, oh, we sang songs, and we just, it was just a glorious day. And anyway, but as we approached the building, you know, as we could see it in the, you know, because the beautiful steeple and uh, across from the memorial, you know, and um, as we approached the building, people started clapping, and it was, it was just amazing, and Nicholas took a, um, I think it was like a foghorn type thing, you know, and and um, uh, greeted everybody and and everything. But then there was the the day of the dedication, and we stood out front and we knocked on that door. The bishop, the bishop of the Methodist Church, stood inside, and um, we knocked on the door. And when we did, the bishop opened the door of that church, and all. all Six doors, I believe there's six, um, opened all six doors, and this entire congregation marched in. And the choir was set up in the choir loft, and, um, and Terry had, us sing, had them singing, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my gosh. I mean, it just makes me almost cry. It was absolutely the most glorious time. It was like little sheep had finally found their way home, and it was so glorious and so beautiful and so much more than what we had had before. Mm -hmm. And what God had meant, I mean, what the devil had meant for evil, God had turned to good, and it was amazing. And, I mean, we celebrated all weekend long. We had a big old picnic across the way, and I think we served over 600 people, and— and then we had then we had the dedication of the building where the president came, um, was it the president vice president dedication of the, the memorial the, oh yes yeah. that was the dedication of the memorial it, but it all took place all close by mm-hmm. and Nick was able to speak at both of at everything and uh, so we all had a part of that but anyway yeah so that was that was an amazing amazing time yeah. I think it's important to mention that Dad didn't just lead our church. He really was a spiritual leader for our city in that time. He was. Um, And it was was a great, great season. Well, we continued to do ministry at First Church for many years after that. And then Dad retired. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was <laughs> funny. That was a really short season because <laughs> yeah. uh, dad retiring, he doesn't know what that means. Back to work ethic. Uh, you can't just sit around. And then um, came the beautiful Ariel Chapel, which was his heart. His pride his and joy. precious little people. Amen. And um, he began Ariel Chapel in Norman. And uh, he prided himself on teaching, period. Yes. There were no programs. There were no committees. There were absolutely it was, it no was committees. The dream ministry that dad always yes, wanted, he right. got to do at the end. Uh-huh. So tell us a little bit about Ariel Chapel. Oh, gosh, we could talk about that also for hours. But basically, it was, um, uh, it's, it's, we started, we truly thought we had heard from God. That, well, first of all, the retirement, like you said, was short lived yes. because I knew we couldn't keep him down. And matter of fact, his mama, but right before mom Harris passed away, uh, she basically looked up in his little eyes and said, son, God is not finished with you yet. And that was absolutely the truth because, um, she knew we were kind of wandering and kind of lost and, and he, he, he had so much to give Mm -hmm. and it wasn't, it wasn't time. So, um, Anyway, we did a little bit of um, filling in for pastors for about a year. And then one day uh, we realized with the help of Brian Bishop, uh, basically his partner in crime, I might say, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, that, that it, wasn't, it wasn't over, you know, that there was something else. But we really felt, he really felt like we had heard God say that um, he was to, he was to, it was going to be a school. It was an academy. Matter of fact, all of the logos and everything we created was Ariel Academy. And um, it was going to be one of those, um, because what we had heard the Lord, we thought, say was that um, go to where there's students already in place. There was something about it being in place, which was Norman, Oklahoma. And so we, I think in our minds, what we thought the Lord was talking to us about was that it would be, um, we would have students from OU come and that they would learn, they would do apologetics and those kind of things and, and everything. Well, that did kind of happen, um, for a while, you know, students would come and they'd hear him preach and, and everything that did kind of, uh, but of course we didn't offer any social other things and everything. So, but that's about the time that we uh, learned that our children in Africa mm-hmm. were not being taken care of. Be, you know, no, mm-hmm. no, no problem anywhere. It was just that that was no longer the vision, you know, for First Church. And so that's we said, that's okay, we'll take it. Right. And so we realized at that point, the moment the very moment, and this is true, everybody, you better listen, you know, if you, there needs to be a mission in order for a successful ministry, you need to be giving, right. you know, uh, to another place other than your body. And so anyway, we realized, wait a minute, the children, the teaching is to happen uh, here, but the children are not, oh, you students, you know, they are your kids in Africa. Mm-hmm. So that's why we started, you know, making the trips and making sure they were being educated. And we built buildings over there for them to go to school. We got teachers, we paid for teachers and, and everything. And so that's where that kind of took off. Well, anyway, yes, Amy, absolutely. Ariel Chapel 
became Daddy's Heart. And um, I think I would almost say the joy of being able to do it the way Jesus did it mm-hmm. in that, that you you loved on them, you taught them. I'm talking about little sheep, little people. And, um, and if there was a need and there was income to do it, I was given permission to write a check. Yeah. We didn't have to go through committees. We didn't have to make a decision on the color of the carpet. I decided to color <laughs> the carpet. Was. And, um, but we, we did it together. We prayed together about it. We were always given a clear path on what we were supposed to do. Um, when there was an issue, we dealt with it. And uh, we everything was volunteer. Uh Thanks to a beautiful, I do need to mention this, uh, you know, there was a couple that literally paid Nick and my salary so that we could survive, so we could live, and therefore everything that came into the chapel went out from the chapel, and there were no salaries involved. Now, you know, we had our praise and worship leaders, and we had our sound guy, and people like that whom we loved, and they're our family, uh, that we paid them a little bit, but in other words the money that came in was not spent on salaries. Right. It was spent on what the needs of the church. Right. And it was absolutely perfect. I, I mean, it. he loved it. And uh, Jamie, for years, <laughs> I can remember, Jamie would say, Dad, you're working so hard, and you're making this drive to Norman. And, you know, and, of course, you know, Coach was kind of the, uh, we call it, he would always laugh about it. Even Craig Rochelle laughs about it. But he'd call him the European race car driver. Mm-hmm. He was a maniac. Let's yeah. just say yeah. that. Crazy he was driver. Crazy Racing. driver. And so we were always worried that, you know, making that drive two and three times a week, that that I, I used to really believe that maybe that's the way I would lose him. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, so Jamie would say, Dad, oh, my gosh, you're preaching to 60 kids, 60, 70 people. And you could be sitting in your pajamas, sitting at your desk, reaching thousands, you know. And Dad would say, no, I love my people. They're my beloved. I I told a story about uh, to the chapel when we were were talking to the chapel um, in one of the last uh, services. But I actually wrote up a plan. Like I had... (laughs) <laughs> I had a plan for a podcast for dad and I knew he just needed nudging. I knew he had used technology over the years from, and if I just could, could explain it to him enough, he would get it. And, uh, I sat down with him and as he, I even remember being kind of nervous. Like I just need him to agree to do this <laughs> podcast. And he was nodding his head at me, but his eyes were still watching Andy Griffith. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I knew at that point he was not going to do nope. a podcast, so, No. So, but here we are. And yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make sure we do it. And yes. we're so thankful for the sound technicians at Ariel Chapel because they recorded everything, mm-hmm. and so that is where a lot of our content will come from. Yes. For this yeah. podcast. Yes, yeah. I said to Curtis one day. I said when I was back there, kind of cleaning out. I said, Curtis, you know, do you think? I mean, do you think we have some of his sermons and stuff? <laughs> and and he goes, uh, Yeah. And I turned around, and he goes. Do you see these? And literally, they are Jamie. Are there like, of CDs every uh, single week? Year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he found yeah. out that there were thirty, whatever there are, there were enough CDs on each spool that was year. one year. Oh and gosh. so, literally, we have fourteen and a half years. So we have fourteen and a half cylinders of every single sermon the man ever preached. That's awesome. And some of them are video, and some of them are audio. I mean, it. Yeah. 
It's it's just it's incredible. Yeah. And then I was down at First Church just yesterday visiting with the pastor down there, and he goes, "Oh, by the way, Chris, if you like, I've got." an entire box. And I went, what? And I turned around and here's this six by four by three uh, box of cassettes cassettes from First Methodist. So I will say that we might uh, not always have the best audio quality. That's right. Uh, it may not be in stereo, but uh, but definitely, no, yes. we're going we're gonna to do our best to clean them up as we share them and, uh, and let them live on. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I'd like you know, to say, you know, part of Ariel what is because it's not a was right it's an is mm-hmm. amen right? amen and that the message that dad his, his relational grace message you know we we have a conviction about this mm-hmm. that this is a message you know we've talked about dad and we we love dad i, I you know i mean he's my hero but this is bigger than dad. Right. Yes, it is. Right. And this is about getting this message of relational grace out into the world. And, and brother, you, you know, you've got a vision and we all do, but you know, because of you, it's driven. Jamie is driven. He's driven about it. And because of your career Mm -hmm. and all the things, you know, we're, we're able to sit down and, and do this. I mean, here we are sitting around this table and we're doing a podcast. We are doing a podcast. And right. I don't even know what a podcast is. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> but I know that Jamie Don does. And exactly. And then you know we 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 really that I think that's important. Aerial ministry is. Yes, it is. And and it's and it's going to be. And you know, and that's what that's what this is really about. Well, you know, and if 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 Dad had a vision of an academy, you know, imagine years from now having a library of thousands of dad's teachings yes. available for searching and and to to give to pastors as materials and references mm-hmm. and things and so i think we can still you know, those visions are still can still appear yes. you know? absolutely yes. and so um you know mom it, it's always been amazing knowing how how you all were provided for how how dad's ministry was provided for and um i was just amazed i i was researching podcasts a little bit about my my background i've been in digital marketing for over 20 years and watched all this stuff evolve and so i i i to to think of about being delivered all this content and just saying your only job is to push it out that's perfect for me so that's exactly what i can do um but uh but I, I was researching this podcasting unit that we're using right here and and i was like well it's kind of expensive but i'll tell mom about it and and uh and I said, you know, it's it's so much. And, and mom's like, well, that's funny because a guy, you know, after you mentioned we were going to start a podcast, a guy at church gave me just that that same amount in a check. And I'm just like, that's the way, that's the way it always works. And so, um, so you know who you are. We very much appreciate it. Yes. And we're going to use yes. it um, to the best of our abilities. Well, we're using Amen. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we are, we using, are it. using it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, dad was known for teaching. Mm-hmm. He was the greatest explainer of the word. And we're going to let him do just that week in, week out on this podcast. The message of relational grace will go forward. Absolutely. We are going to hear from my brother a little bit. He had some thoughts on the themes that pull our our family together over the years. And so I'm I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Well, you know, I think, you know, dad, dad had a scripture you always talked about. 
and you know it's Romans 8 28 mm-hmm. you know and we know that God causes all, all things, things not some things not a few things all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose and if you think back through fr- from Ponca City when we became a family mm-hmm. and through the years he he God has taken all of that to turn to turn those things to good and for His glory, and I think that's a common theme, you know, with, with Dad, both both in his ministry and in our family, and what he espoused to us as as children. Mm-hmm. You know, the the other one, you know, that, that for me is a both a son and 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 as a man. Uh, you know, through through the things in life that I think is a common theme is, is grace, mm-hmm. and that you can't you can't earn it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in our family, you couldn't earn it. Nope. Yes, there were things he was proud of. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. but you couldn't earn his love. Okay, he he loved us through our ups, yep. our downs, and you know, and 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 that. He both in in his ministry and in his personal life. I think that that's a theme, and that's a theme that brings us together. Um, you know, the the other one that I would say here before I get to the last one is you know talking about faith. Mm. You know, I, I think of the story in Carmen that you know when when you know he didn't you know we didn't have anything and. You know, he, he was sitting in his office in that little church in Carmen, Oklahoma, and, you know, and he was basically telling God, now, God, you said you were going to do this, you know, and God told him, well, write a check. Hmm. Well, he told God, well, it's hot. I'll go to jail, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, and God said to him, see, we're going to be obedient. Well, you know, dad, dad wrote that check and, you know, went and put it in the offering there, you know, that night. Well, the next morning after service, he's at the back of the church, you know, greeting people, and he feels a man, something slide into his, you know, uh, in, into his coat pocket, and he felt something else, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, to, to discover there's there's a $500 check, and of course, in those days, yeah. that, yeah, that was, was, was an astronomical amount yeah. of money, and then there was a note that said, go down to, and I can't remember the place, but basically, you know, mm-hmm. to the local butcher, mm-hmm. there'll be, you know, a half a beef, a half a beef for you. And there'll be one there every six months. Mm-hmm. And then the other note was, I want you to go to whatever the clothing store was in, in Enid. And I want you to get, you know, I want you to get your you kids, know, your clothes. kids clothes and, you know, and da, 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 you know, and if you look to, you know, I mean, that theme was with him throughout his entire ministry and in our family. Mm -hmm. I mean, we moved here in 1981 just after the Penn Square Bank went bust. Mm -hmm. Moved Dad to a church that, if we're really honest, that the Methodist Church really moved him there to to put the nail in the coffin to him because he was kind of the black sheep evangelical, right? Mm -hmm. He's a little bit of a rebel. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I, I have no idea where I get it from, yeah. but, but, you know, and, 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 but he was obedient and he, and he, even 
you know, yes, his flesh would rise up, but he always chose to follow faith. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and God always provided, he provided for us. My mom went to work, but there were times, I mean, I, you know, when I hear mom tell stories, you know, I just go, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I can say. And, and the same thing at the church, you know, I mean, he provided, I mean, here's this church building that, I mean, frankly, it was, it was falling apart even before the bombing, mm -hmm. you know, and then the bombing happens. Mm -hmm. God takes what was meant for evil and turned it to good and look at what's down there. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. And, um, you know, and then, you know, even, you know, in, in his, in, in, you know, in him, you know, in his passing, still hard for me to say, but, you know, I look and, and I look at mom, she's provided for. Yes. Mm -hmm. Dad had the faith for that. I, you know, and I just, I, I see that and I, I see that in us. He and knew I see, God would be faithful. Yeah. You know, he you always. Know, and so. I was listening to one of dad's, you know, uh, sermons recently. And, uh, and he said, he said the single most important word in your Christian walk is faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I, I, I was literally sitting on the edge of my seat going, what's the word? What's the word? <laughs> I don't know which one it is. But that well, you know, it's, in, it's interesting because over the last month or so, I've really been, you know, praying on and chewing on faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, the just shall live by faith. Well, you start looking at that and you go, well, we walk by faith, not by sight. Mm -hmm. You know, and you, and you go through that. Yep. And then you look at, you know, Hebrews 11. Grace, through faith. Through yeah. faith. Mm -hmm. And you look at Hebrews you know, uh, 11, one, and you go, you know, faith is the substance of things not seen or hoped for, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we live on that, yep. yes. right? We live on the evidence of things not, not seen. seen. Mm -hmm. And that's what dad taught us, yes, he you did. know, and that's what he taught his flock. Mm -hmm. And that's about also about what we're doing here. Right. Right. Is, is this ministry and going here, this relational grace. So I, you know, the last thing I think I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about adoption. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, part, part of this is, you know, a, a, you know, I remember Brian Bishop at the, at the, you know, dad's, uh, you know, at the, at the graveside mm -hmm. and you know, and it, it is that, you know, here we sit and Amy, you know, you're, your dad but you never knew him. You know, Jamie, you know your dad. Mm -hmm. But how dad adopted you. I wouldn't be who I am. Exactly. Him. How, Amy, how dad adopted you. Yep. Okay. How mom adopted me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, we later in life, you know, life happens, right? Yeah, and, yes, it does. <laughs> you know, and there's some things that, that you discover, that we all discover. And, you know, for me, you know, I mean, because I was all, you know, early on, I was kind of the golden child and, you know, all of those things. But, but you know, with some things that we discovered later in life, we go, he chose all of all us. Of us. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he chose us. Dad chose me. Yeah. You know, and, and, and frankly, he didn't have to. I mean, now that we, right, he chose you, he chose you, he chose you, he chose Brian Bishop, I, you know, and I mean, the list goes on and, his and on. his dad chose him. And, and, and that's where I'm going to go back. We go back to the start of this podcast mm -hmm. and we think about that abandonment mm -hmm. and we think about, you know, I mean, I never got to meet Grandpa James. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, or Grandpa Harris, I, I, I didn't, 
but to go, it started with that man right. kicking that door in and, and, and in a form becoming the hound of grace. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am kicking this door in and I am going to find my child. Mm-hmm. And he did. And that theme resonates throughout, throughout all of our lives. Mm-hmm. And anybody who, who has ever come in and out of his ministry, yeah. that's his theme. And that's what connects us. And that's what I love and, right. and so proud of, uh, you know, of, of, of this table and ministry and, the, and you know, the, those kind of things. So I thought that's important to share. Okay. You know, yeah. I really do. And, you know, the, that idea, that adoption that he would say, and Amy, you may have to help me with the scriptures, but, you know, uh, we've been adopted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grafted Christ. in. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. been grafted in and uh, heirs with, what is it? Heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so it, it, it's, it's really been amazing. It's caused all of us to start thinking about those things, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's been amazing uh, that it's been pointed out that that adoption theme and uh, is just it's it's connected everything. Yes. And um, it's going to be exciting to see where this goes. It I'm is. excited. Well, you know, absolutely, and and I think um, I think Dad would, if he could see this room right now, <laughs> he would be so I proud. I think he would be very pleased. Yeah. You know, so thanks everybody for listening to our podcast today. This has been our first one ever for most, for some of us, <laughs> and uh, it's been great. It's been great to share Dad. It's been great to share everything he taught us. Thank you for joining. If you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe if you want to help spread the word please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe to we are available on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts don't forget to connect with aerial ministries on facebook and instagram and subscribe to our email list at aerialministries.com that's Ariel spelled a-r-i-e-l we look forward to keeping you updated on upcoming episodes and projects Maybe you knew Pastor Harris and would like to share a story or a photo, or maybe this podcast touched your life in a special way. We would love to hear more. Please send us a note via our Contact Us page at aerialministries.com.